Welcome back to Gnostic Insights. My name is Dr. Sid Ropp, and I'm your host. Welcome back to Gnostic Insights. Someone left a comment on an old article from 2019 on my Simple Explanation blog, and it caused me to reread the article, and gee, it's a good article, and I don't think we've ever shared it here on Gnostic Insights, so I'm going to talk to you today about a simple explanation of Gnostic evolution. There are just a couple of basic ways you can think of evolution. As commonly taught in school, scientific evolution explains the tremendous diversity of life on Earth as lucky mutations that add up to great results. Darwinism promotes the idea that mutations and mechanisms morph into increasingly sophisticated life forms because genetic goof-ups allow the ones who change to better survive and dominate those who stayed true to form. These lucky mutations keep going in the same lucky direction until there are so many of them that they add up to a new and improved creature, and now they are evolved. You can also explain evolution by applying the concept of intelligent design. Intelligent design says that evolution is guided by a top-down blueprint, where the final product is known beforehand, and the evolution moves toward fulfilling its production. Intelligent design is, of course, denied and ridiculed by the majority of scientists. It's not taught in schools, mainly because it stipulates a supernatural creator. The two basic tenets of intelligent design are, one, irreducible complexity, and two, specified complexity. Irreducible complexity refers to a single complicated object or mechanism that requires so many parts and particular forces all working together toward a narrowly focused goal that it couldn't have evolved as independent puzzle pieces. ATP synthase is a good example of a mechanism that is so complex and clever, it's hard to imagine how it was not designed first and then built to order. I've included a link to a video here that's on YouTube in the transcript here at GnosticInsights.com to this episode. You will want to watch this short video of the ATP synthase mechanism in operation. Keep in mind that even the most primitive single-celled creatures come loaded with this equipment and have for four and a half billion years, almost as long as there has been water on Earth. As you watch the video, Consider how this mechanism could have possibly evolved outside of and prior to the first living cell or organism. What are the odds of stupid molecules accidentally forming themselves into a ratcheted proton-powered drive shaft that just happens to open and close assembly bays? The second argument for intelligent design is called specified complexity 
which refers to the improbability of essential, highly complex operations arising by chance. The double-strand DNA machinery is one example of a super-complex mechanism where many steps must be accomplished using many components assembled in exactly the right order. Watch the short video and contemplate how unlikely it is that the DNA replication process evolved by chance. And that one's on YouTube too, and I'm also going to include a link here. It's called DNA Replication in 3D. The complexity of mechanisms at the smallest possible chemical and biological levels argues against their having arisen by happenstance as quickly as they did. Now, I'm also inserting an image in the transcript to this episode of the geological clock of Earth. Look how soon prokaryotes arose on Earth, just half a billion years after the newly arrived moon stabilized the planet's tilt and rotation. Yet, all of the sophisticated machinery required for assembling and maintaining a cell was already available for use by the newly emerging single-celled organisms. If they hadn't been, the organisms could not have formed. How were those complex processes ready and waiting? By chance? I don't think so. And it's illogical, I think, to think so. For a religious system that existed long before modern science invented the concept of evolution, Gnosticism has a lot to say about it. The tripartite tractate of the Nag Hammadi scriptures, which is at least 2,000 years old, that I use for reference, describes us humans as the end result of an unfolding universal ecosystem it calls the economy. The supernatural beings credited with this intelligent design are the Father, the Son, and the Fullness. The Gnostic Gospel suggests that life on Earth arose in several cataclysmic steps, with each jump bringing a new order of life to the planet via newly minted instructions. And these jumps, once again, are illustrated in the chart of the geological clock on Earth. They are scientifically recognized jumps. They just don't have the idea that the fullness sent down those jumps. The jump that started the earth ball rolling was the fall itself. When a higher order being named Logos tried to plug itself into an unauthorized location, the father, in order to accomplish a task, it had not been assigned. The fall of Logos is the seminal act of the Gnostic creation story. When Logos fell, it broke apart into all of its component pieces, which, by the way, were fractals of the fullness. The ruptured body of Logos is called the deficiency. The consciousness of Logos abandoned its dispersed components down below and fled back up to the fullness. The abandoned components of Logos became what we call the Demiurge. And it was the egoic consciousness of the Demiurge, which was a reflection of the self of Logos, that assembled them into those of the imitation. Those of the imitation are organized at the molecular level. They are unable to work together or to procreate with others of their kind. The simple gospel now identifies prokaryotic organisms with those of the imitation. 
These two prokaryotic lineages or domains are still with us today, archaea and bacteria. Archaea is the oldest domain, with chemical signatures and strata going back 4 billion years. Very little is known about the domain archaea, which until the late 1970s was misclassified by scientists as a type of bacteria. The tripartite tractate in verse 79 says, Those who came into being resemble in fact the fullnesses of whom they are imitations. They thought of themselves that only they existed, and that they had no beginning since they saw no one existing before them. It goes on to say in verse 99, Over those who belong to the imitation, he placed the ordering word to provide them with form. He also placed over them the law of judgment, and further, he also placed over them the powers that had their roots in the lust for dominion. He placed them to rule over them, so that the order should be kept in check, either by the firmness of the wise word, by the threat of the law, or by the power of the lust for dominion, all of which diminished that order's evilness until Logos was content with them as useful for the economy. End quote. So the above quotes say that Logos supplied the materials he had left behind in the deficiency with various kinds of non-physical aids. The term ordering word refers to both knowledge and organization, in the same way that words and syntax organize letters of the alphabet into meaningful packets of information that can link together to form sentences that blossom into languages. DNA coding would be an example of the ordering word. And here I'm inserting an image of what prokaryotic genomes look like, their organization. And they have circular loops of DNA rather than helixes of DNA. And their circular loops are arranged in a flower shape rather than that familiar DNA ladder custom to sing. The law of judgment refers to cause and effect and their predictable outcomes based upon physical and chemical laws. Powers refers to forces, as in atomic and molecular forces, attraction and repulsion, spin, phase separation, even microgravity, pulling and pushing electrons and protons from one assembly to another. The forces within and between carbon atoms, for example, form the carbon chain. The carbon chain links carbon atoms to hydrogen atoms through shared electrons, forming the molecular basis of all life on Earth. Every living thing is constructed with carbon chains. Gnostic cosmology states that Logos was unsatisfied with those of the imitation. Those of the imitation were doomed from the outset to multiform thought because they arose from the unauthorized solitary action of a single eon, Logos whereas the design of the fullness emphasized cooperation and mutual effort among an entirety toward a shared goal that we refer to as the simple golden rule. In other words, an ecology. Quoting the tripartite tractate, verse 80, Instead of perfection, he saw deficiency. Instead of unity, he saw division. Instead of stability, disturbance. Instead of rest, upheaval. Those who had come into being did not know themselves, nor did they know the fullnesses from which they had originated. Being feeble and small creatures, 
infected with the same sicknesses which he himself had been affected. End quote. Viruses, by the way, are a particularly insidious form of the imitation. Viruses are not prokaryotes because they are not considered alive by any measure of life, even by scientists. Since they are not alive, they cannot be killed. They are not living cells, but simply a shell housing strands of RNA and DNA gathered from their environment. They have no metabolism, no cells or cellular mechanisms, and cannot replicate the DNA and RNA they carry without invading and commandeering a living host's machinery. The DNA and RNA found in viruses does not work to build up the virus. It is merely freight until injected into a host cell. Despite their utter simplicity, viruses are able to carry out complex mechanical invasion procedures on other living cells. Viruses, by the way, are extremely small. They're at the molecular level. They are demons. Now, by the way, I'm inserting this into the article at this point. The MNRA vaccines use a virus mechanism called a bacteriophage to inject the, quote, immunization DNA into your living cells. The bacteriophage virus infects both bacteria and archaea, including us, by drilling a hole through the victim's cell wall and injecting DNA. And it looks exactly like a machine. I'm putting an image in this transcript here so you can look at what a bacteriophage looks like. It looks like a drilling machine. And it has this central spike that punctures the cell wall. And then it injects its freight into the cell, which makes that what used to be a living cell, but is now a form of a zombie, it begins to reproduce the material that was injected into it, rather than carry out its own life functions. Back to the article. According to Gnostic cosmology, after the fall, Logos returned first to the Father, then to the All altogether, and then one by one to his brothers in the fullness. In this manner, with all of their individual and intertwined capabilities working in coordination, they produced a new fruit called the Second Order of Powers. Quote, These powers were much better and greater than those belonging to the imitation, from a thought that had known them in advance. There's 82 tripartite tractate. That's another way of saying intelligent design. The next major jump into the second order of powers forms the third earthly domain called eukaryotes, which arrived soon after the Earth's atmosphere turned to oxygen, about 2.7 billion years ago. These powers are also called those of the remembrance. I would like to suggest that what was sown in the second order of powers that lifted us above the imitation was the remembrance contained in double helix DNA. Because think about it, what is DNA but a huge book of instructions for higher ordered life? Quote, he sowed in them an inclination to seek and pray to what is glorious and preexistent. And he also sowed in them an ability to think about it and a power of reflection to make them realize that something greater than themselves existed before them, but they had not understood what it was. Bringing forth harmony and mutual love by means of that thought, they acted in unity and 
unanimity, since to unity and unanimity they owned their existence. That's verse 83 of the Tripartite Tractate. Now I'm inserting a couple of images of the double helix DNA. And around the double helix DNA, there is an encircling pattern called a sliding DNA clamp homotrimer. And it is a torus shape that slides up and down a DNA strand, unzipping it like a zipper for replication. New microimaging techniques combined with computer simulations give never-before-seen glimpses into the glory of DNA. Take a look, and I will include these here in this episode transcript, at the four known types of double helix DNA. We're accustomed to seeing DNA from the side view, but it's a whole different view from the top. And when you look at a cross-section of DNA from the top, you can see, and this is the really cool part of it, it's a mandala pattern formed by DNA's top view that reveals another level of circular complexity that adds a lot of spice to DNA's familiar lattice shape. And I'm also inserting an image of the rose window of the Cathedral of York Minster. It's a very famous stained glass window that you're familiar with. And if you look at it side by side with the top view of the DNA and the homotrimer that surrounds it, it looks identical. It's really cool. You see, everything is fractals, fractals to a larger and smaller degree. And the fractal of the rose window of the Cathedral of York Minster, it's a fractal replication of the DNA that we carry around inside of our bodies. You know, just like highways are fractal replications of the veins and capillaries that flow through our bodies. And the cars that drive along the highway, these are fractal replications of the pattern of the molecules of blood that flow through those capillaries. Everything is fractals to larger and smaller scales. The third domain of life on Earth is known as eukarya to science. With the advent of double helix DNA came membrane-bound organelles and a nucleus, cellular respiration, and sexual and asexual reproduction. We humans and all of Earth's fauna and flora are part of the eukarya domain. As it turned out, the second order of powers, the eukarya, became infected with the same lust for dominion that had infected those of the imitation due to what is called the law of mutual combat. And the two orders began a never-ending war over resources in the limited ecology of early Earth. The likenesses resembled the original eons of the fullness, but they lost themselves in the confusion of Earth. Quote, The powers of the remembrance were adorned with the names of the pre-existent eons, whose likenesses they were. The order of those of this kind was in harmony with itself and with each other. It fought, however, the order of those of the imitation, because that order waged war against the likenesses, as they were producing various kinds of matter and all sorts of powers, mixed with one another and in great number. Verse 84. One more cosmological jump to a third order of powers was needed to complete the intelligent design. This time, the plan was to bring forth one who reflected all of the traits of the fullness. 
And that transforming power is called the Christ. But we're not going to get into that today. I think we've covered enough by discussing the first and second order of powers and how DNA brings the book of life to the second order powers here on earth. And that is transmitted by the intelligent design of the fullnesses because we are representations of the fullness, we second order of powers. And we bring life and true consciousness into the universe. I think this is pretty logical. It makes a lot more sense than happenstance chance that is argued in Darwinian evolution, which makes no sense at all. So don't take my word for it. Go and look at the pictures. Go and watch those videos. They are incredible. And think about it. Use your own gnosis. Until next week, onward and upward. And God bless.